Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill. Welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. Today, I have a unique guest. Juliet Hahn is a storyteller, consultant, public speaker, and content creator. Her mission in life is to give women and men a stage to share their stories. She believes deeply that everyone has a story and we all can learn from each other. We just need to listen. So today, we're going to be talking about the importance of being able to tell your story, how to live a more fulfilling life, how to find your creative passion. And I can think of no one more energetic than Juliet Hahn to join me today. Juliet, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, well, when we first met, like you are quite the storyteller. <laughs> and I think it was like we were 15 minutes in the phone call. I was like, okay, Juliet, hold on, slow down. I get where this is coming from, but like, how is this going to make sense to the listeners of my podcast? I mean, they're entrepreneurs, they're small business owners, they're really busy, and they might think storytelling is something fictional versus, uh, what they're doing is real. And we really quickly connected the dots. That's what we're going to do today, right? Yes. And I love that. And I love that you said that because it really was when we first met, it was like, how do, do I fit into your podcast? And I really believe storytelling, it doesn't matter where you are in life. It's really important to be able to share your story, to connect with people, however you need to connect. So let's start like right off at the top. Like I've always said that leaders need to be really good storytellers because they need to sell the vision of where their company is going. And some leaders really struggle because they're not really strong leaders. They're more small business owners that are small business minded, but they struggle to tell the story of where is this business going? What, what's the vision folks? And they have difficulty creating followership. So, I really want to get into that, and uh, I know that you'll be keen to address it, but let's start with what your story is. Tell us so the listeners understand where you're coming from. You know, what was your background? You, you had a corporate background, maybe educational background. Where are you coming from? And, uh, and tell us a little about what you are doing today. 
Yeah, no, great. Thank you. So I think what I shared with you before, and I remember your ears kind of perked up. And um, so I am dyslexic. So school was always very hard. I grew up in a town that pretty much everyone was really good at everything. Uh, It was a wealthy town. You know, great. I had a great upbringing. But very quickly, I remember in third grade, I kind of looked around. I was like, wait a second. I'm, I'm I definitely learned different than my friends do. However, I was a fantastic athlete. So that's really what I played upon. But growing up and seeing other people like school not being that hard and you realizing, okay, I have to go out and get small group instruction with reading and everyone else is going to gifted and talented. You know, that for a small, small child is something that you have to work through. And my parents really did a great job with that. Uh, I really look at my dyslexia now as my superpower because I just think different. Mm. So I'm not just the run in the mill person. I always have bigger pictures and storytelling is one of the ways that I actually learned really well. So that's why I connected with storytelling really quickly when I was young. It's if someone told me a story, I didn't really need to study. It it, it kind of imprinted in my brain because that's the way my brain worked. So as I, and I never really thought of, you know, doing this as I went through university. I did go through uh, to university. I played two sports in college because that's what I was really good at. And so that's why I kind of followed that path for a little bit. And I remember when I was taking anatomy and physiology, I realized, wait a second, I don't, I don't love this. I don't know that I want to go into corporate fitness and that's what my major was. So I quickly pivoted and I went into radio, television, film communications. And that is where I realized, okay, this is, this is something amazing. Now, funny enough, I went into the advertising sales part of it because I never really saw myself as creative in the sense that even though I loved stories and listening to stories, and I do find that to be a creative outlet, not everyone does, but I truly do, especially if you really form that art and know how you're doing it. So I went into the advertising sales because of the relationships. That's something, again, that I was really good at. I learned really young that if you connect with people through storytelling, you're going to connect with them in a different level. They're going to see you in a different level. They're going to, it's going to be a little bit more vulnerable. They're going to see you as a person and understand your background, understand, you know, where you can see that person, right? I'm sure your listeners can see me in third grade, getting taken out. When the rest of my friends kind of went over to Gifted and Talented, they would come back and they were like, what were you doing? I don't know. I was reading The Blue Dolphin and it really was hard. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't love this. Um, So that's where storytelling, I think, Initially, I in in the communications aspect, I was doing television, I was doing radio, and, and I loved that. But I loved the community, the communication of actually in advertising, the connection of people. So that's the route I went, and then pivot after having kids. I'm now a podcaster, which is crazy. So now I'm really actually doing what. I feel like I was always meant to be doing, and that is storytelling, that is connecting people through stories, whether it's my story or their story. I think that's really interesting uh, path that you followed, and you could have definitely gone down the path of being an athlete and tried to pursue that, and you saw maybe that was short-lived. Um, I want to just go circle back to the dyslexia piece, because I find that I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and some probably diagnosable ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder. Um, Some, we just jokingly say, you know, oh, all entrepreneurs are ADHD. And (laughs) I I really do believe that there's a lot of ADHD entrepreneurs out there. 
And I believe that it's actually one of their superpowers and they don't necessarily understand it or lean into it and work with it. So I imagine there's also a lot of people that are dyslexic and it's because they are processing information or content differently. And uh, so, you know, just a quick little story. In 1986, I partnered with someone who was an artist uh, to open up a, a wearable art clothing gallery. Uh, I thought he was a really talented artist and uh, he seemed to have a really good sales ability as well. So what I learned pretty quickly was he really was like illiterate. He couldn't really read or write. I, it was beyond dyslexia, but I found that he could read between the lines of things and I don't mean literally, but I meant like figuratively, like he could read people really well. He could read situations. He could tell you how many T-shirts, how many leggings got sold out of the store that day. I was, thought it was quite impressive. I was always someone who analytically had to review the numbers, study the numbers to, to feel it in my gut. He intuitively felt it. And so I, th I think that we all have different ways of processing information. And I think it's really important especially for entrepreneurs, to recognize that your skills are probably a genius ability. You just maybe aren't tapping into it or aren't accepting it or embracing it. And you haven't surrounded yourself with people who can understand it and work with it and can you know, complement those talents. And so I think that to really create a very successful business. You, if you're, if you've got ADHD or dyslexia as an entrepreneur, you've got to find that partner who compliments you um, because then you're allowed to be free. And I think then you can have a more vivid vision and articulate it. So what are your thoughts on that? I love that, Jonathan. And I think you hit on it right, the nail on the head. So I am also attention deficit. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry if I pointed that out. <laughs> no, I, but I, I think when we met, you were like, wow, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe a little attention deficit there um, right. because I am full, full on. And now I have learned how to harness. So I know when I tell a story, I know okay, I don't want to go all around in, in you know, circles or go from left to right because I know how to tell a story to a bunch of different brains, but that's something right. that I've learned. Right. So you have to learn that too because people, like I have a um, someone close in my life who's ADHD and sometimes when she's telling me something, she's assuming that I'm tracking where she's at and she's skipping to that part. And I am oftentimes tracking where she's at, but I'm trying to pull her back so that she, when she's telling other people a story, she's connecting with their brains as well. Uh, maybe I shouldn't okay. be coaching her. I should just be listening and responding. But, well, no, yeah. but that, but it is important because I remember when I first started podcasting, that was the first thing my husband said. He's like, you tell a great story, but not everyone always can follow it. So just make sure when you're going into it, right. you, you know, you have a little thought, but even though I, I don't prepare when I do my podcast, I do a little bit, but when I tell a story, I've just gotten really, you know, good at it from practice. Mm -hmm. So you know, touching it. And a lot of times, you know, someone with dyslexia, they're going to have, their brain's going to work a little bit. There's, you know, a touch of ADHD, as you said, we really, especially in this day and age, everyone has a slightly ADHD. Yeah. Uh, it's when it gets in your way 
is when, or when it's holding you back is when it becomes a negative. And I think that's a really important thing because, you know, when I was in school, I was able to read and write, you know, I had my dyslexia wasn't maybe there's different variables, obviously it wasn't maybe as, as obviously um, harmful as that gentleman that started his own business. However, he learned how to work in that world, right? And as you said, it's so important to be able to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and where you need to fill in. And especially for an entrepreneur or someone that's running their own family business, you could be really good as the person that you know goes out and meets the customer, right? You could be really great at marketing, but you may be really bad at the paperwork and the yep. finances. Yep. And your company is not going to go anywhere unless you get that help. And a lot of times people will say, but I'm not bringing in the money to be able to do that. However, they don't realize that they outsource that, that one aspect, it's going to help their company grow and, and, and grow the business if everyone kind of has their own role. Totally agree. If I could just share like one of my silver bullet coaching tools is if you were to buy back your time so you could do the things that you're really excellent and genius at, like what could you make additional, you know, time, money, connections, relationships, you know, um, what could you generate by buying back that time and distributing those things that you're not so competent or are competent at, but don't really like uh, and had someone else do it because they really enjoy it. So really powerful, super powerful. And it's true. And I think when you are someone that has struggled in certain aspects, like school for me, it was very apparent what my strengths and what my weaknesses were. So when I went into the world and I did, I worked in an advertising in New York city, and then I became an entrepreneur. Once my children had grown, I was able to stay home with my kids. Um, but there was very very quickly, I realized, okay, I need to go back. And this is what I think is really important. And this is kind of ties in with the whole storytelling. I need to go back to my story and remember, okay, these are the things that I actually needed a little bit more support on. I'm going to need them that support as I'm now growing my business. And you kind of have to take it and parlay it to something that was in your past. And so that's really what I tell talk a lot about on my podcast, but also to my clients is that's why your story is so important to really go far back because you might not realize, right? I might not have thought about that when I sat in third grade and I had to go read the Blue Dolphin um, with, with, with the, the teacher and everyone else went to Gifted and Talented, that that definitely um, molded me in a way, right? And it could have, I could have, it could have taken my confidence down. Or what it did to me, though, is made me work harder because I did have the support and also the way I was born, the way my brain, I was like, okay, this is hard. I'm going to work harder because that was my personality. So I think that's where sometimes it's important to go back into your past and really think about different things that maybe you got a ping in your stomach, right? And you don't really sometimes want to think about it, but that's where like the vulnerability comes in. And as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, the vulnerability is what's also, as you're sharing your story and you have the support behind you, right? So if you're not good in finances, you have that, but you're going out there really sharing that story. You're going to connect with people on a different level because they're connecting with your story. They can picture it. They can see it. It's almost like they can feel it as you get better and better telling your story. Well, I know that when I wrote my book, Disruptive Successor, that I had to go back into my story and identify like, why am I writing this book? And what's, what's my story? And I had to tell my story in the book. And 
it really got me to reconnect and, and actually be a student of going back and researching my family's business and the history because we had a multi-generational business with a few thousand employees and it was based out of New York and Philadelphia. And I thought, this is really an amazing story. Fortun I was really fortunate to find someone had written a very long history piece on my family's business because they were in a landmark uh, building in Philadelphia and in, in a community that uh, was economically disenfranchised and really needed a lot of economic development. And so it was interesting because I spent 10 years in the career of economic development, helping people in disenfranchised communities. And I circled back to family business, which was a real interest of mine when I went to graduate school was entrepreneurship and family business because my family had a family business and I didn't get to be that disruptive successor because it was already sold when it got to the fourth generation. And there wasn't really a disruptive successor in the third generation. What I mean was there wasn't a family member who was going to be a driving champion who was going to uh, disrupt things enough so that they could move their manufacturing to overseas. They could carry on the, the, the legacy that my grandfather and his brothers had built. And so I think it's all really interesting. Um, as, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, well, that's a really good story, John, but that's a lot of like outside circumstantial stuff. Like, what was going on in your gut as you were a kid growing up? What were your insecurities and vulnerabilities? And so I think it's really important um, for us to be able to tap into those as well, because people are moved and will follow you when they feel like they connect with your story. And I think people connect with your story best when it really comes from like your heart or your gut. Am I right? I mean, it sounds oh like God. you've really tapped into yours. So help me out here. It's, yeah, no, it's really true. And the thing that I love that you said, and this is what I think is so special. And I totally connected with that little piece of your story that you told there. And it didn't even have to be long, but I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. when you said that, I was like, oh, wait, I can't wait to talk to Jonathan later about that and, and learn more about his background, read his book because of that little piece and that little piece could interest someone that you don't even realize. And that's what's so important about tapping into far, you know, back to the stories. And how special is it that you, because of your background, have now brought the family business that has, you know, dissolved back to the forefront where people can learn about it. And so it's, again, bringing it back out. And there's a whole history there. And so that's something that you were passionate about, obviously. You wanted to yep. learn a little bit about it, yep. which is really, really cool because that's going to connect with people on so many different levels. Super. Um, so I, I can't underemphasize uh, or overemphasize. I can't emphasize <laughs> enough <laughs> the importance <laughs> of storytelling and how too few leaders do it and more leaders need to do it and do it well. So the question I have for you is how do they tap into their story better? Do you have some suggestions for them? I, yeah, I do. I mean, the more you practice it, the more you're going to master Good. it. 
if, if that makes sense. I mean, yep, just like everything course. else. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's, it's annoying to hear, right? People are like, yeah. oh, more something for me to practice. However, as I've been podcasting now since 2019, I have to say there's been pieces that all of a sudden it, it has clicked as I'm telling my story or I'm interviewing someone or I'm on someone else's podcast that I've connected with my story that now I add in because it always builds, right? You're going to have these different um, visualizations sometimes that as you're talking to other people that you're like, you know what? I remember when that happened to me when I was little and then something kind of comes off of that as well. So I really think what is really important is to find that time. And again, I want to see your actually your, your reaction to this, but I feel that daydreaming is really important. And when I say daydreaming, it's not like, you know, a, right. Your listeners are like, oh, the attention deficit lady's telling me to daydream. Aren't we not supposed to do that? No, I think it's a great suggestion, actually. I think um, there, there seems to me there's been movies I've seen where people are like lying in some kind of a bubble and they get themselves out of that bubble or, or they go into, a, I don't know, a, an altered state from getting into a, a sensory deprivation tank or something. But, you know, and I, I, for years I've talked about going to your CEO cave or maybe that's going, you know, rock climbing or, or, or mountain climbing through the, you know, and g- getting away so important to daydream, but it, even just daydreaming at your desk, maybe even closing the door for 20 minutes, if you're in a corporate office type situation and just say like, you know, um, do not disturb. Like it's thinking time, meditation time, super important. Right. And so, and when, and it's also really important to find out when you do that best. So for instance, I do not do meditation the traditional way. And I don't mm-hmm. even know if there's really a traditional way, but if we think about all the leaders and all the things that have come out, you know, meditate, you meditate for, you know, headspace and all these things where you need to clear your mind. I have tried that. My attention deficit dyslexia brain does not work that way. Mm-hmm. I cannot mm-hmm. sit. If I sit in silence, I am thinking about my to-do list, everything that I need to do. It actually stresses me out and I don't, it's, it's not the way I work. Interesting. Best, Interesting. Because yes. I, if, if like, if you were my client um, and I don't do a lot of life coaching, but I would coach you from the place of my experience is that I see, I love meditating and Um, I think that my life is a meditation, but I've done it a lot in my life and mostly through yoga these days. But I would say have a yellow pad and keep writing stuff down until you clear your brain and then keep writing stuff down. And eventually your brain will clear and you'll get to that place. So So, I don't know. No, but so for a dyslexic person, writing things down stresses me out terribly because I can't spell. So well, so that's, that's what I want to say to you. That's what I do, but I do it when I'm walking my dogs. Okay. I need to, I need to move. I need to be out in nature for me to actually get to my meditative state. So that's also what I want your, your listeners to listen, you know, to get out of that is not everyone meditates the the same way. You don't need to be sitting there going, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I have plenty right. of friends, clients that do that, but that's not for me. And so I need to tap into what's best for me. And I've gotten really good at that, you know, at, from that third grade desk 
knowing, okay, this is how I learn. This is what I, is best for me. So I take my dogs to boxers. I take them every day for a walk. Sometimes I'll catch up with a friend. Sometimes I'll listen to music. Sometimes I'll listen to podcasts, you know, books, but other times I just walk and I daydream. And I think, I think, okay. I either think, oh, um, about the future, or I think about different aspects of my life. This is where like, I'm talking to your listeners about tapping into their storytelling. And I will have my phone and what I'll use it for is I dictate. So I either wear a voice note or I will talk to text in my notepad. Um, that is really important because I know that that's when my brain gets the most clear because I am moving and I need to move. That is my meditative state. Not, you know, I don't need to do like the heavy weights, the heavy lifting. When I do, when I do work out in the morning, that time is for me to focus on that. But that's, that is my time walking the dogs is where I can get to my meditative state and I can think about my story. So that's what I want your listeners to listen to. Find that daydreaming spot, whether it is, you know, in a car, some people really, when they drive, but again, pay attention to what you're doing. I'm not telling you to drive and, yeah, and not that can be problematic. I think sometimes, well, you're certainly going to miss your exit, I think, but we've all done that before. Exactly. But so find that spot where it is like a comfortable, as you said, maybe in your office where you're just closing the door. And again, there is a negative connotation to daydreaming, right? So that, oh, the kid that was daydreaming, their head was always in the cloud, but that kid is creating and yep. daydreaming is positive. If you want to put a different word to it, you can put a different word to it if you don't like the word daydream, but it is really important for you to find that time where you let your brain go and wander and think about your story or think about how you want your life to be. And when you're doing that, you're coming up with these different tools. I think that's great. Um, I'm going to go off the rails here for a moment. So uh, I was watching Netflix (laughs) last night and I watched two movies because I'm a little under the weather, if you can hear from my voice. So two two movies. One was a documentary, by the way, about a guy who wants to kayak the four most challenging rivers in the world. They come off the mountain in Tibet. It was uh, pretty crazy. Um, But the second one was equally as crazy. It was called Fantastic Fungi. And uh, it's a film about uh, the importance of mushrooms in our entire ecology. And um, it starts off a very... uh, sober kind of a approach to the role that mushrooms play in our environment and the power that mushrooms can bring. And then later, deeper into the movie, once it's already caught you, um, it, it starts to talk about magic mushrooms. Of course, we knew it was going to go there. <laughs> and right. what I was so, it, and I think it's really interesting because I think for people who really have difficult time storytelling, that I do think there'll be a time when uh, psychedelic mushrooms will become uh, legal and will be therapeutically used, um, maybe in very small doses, to help people create more vivid visions and to break out of uh, problems, whether it's uh, uh, challenges with staying sober or or what have you. But this particular mycologist, who was the, the featured person in the film, the researcher, quite an interesting character. He was a lifelong stutterer until he climbed a tree and 
didn't, this was his first time doing magic mushrooms and he didn't know how to dose properly. And so he ate this entire bag and basically oh he was gosh. tripping his brains out uh, up in the top of a tree when a, when a storm came and um, he just started repeating some mantra that he, that came to him in the storm. And when he finished that entire uh, trip, I'll call it, um, his stuttering went away permanently. How um, crazy. This was pretty amazing because this is a middle-aged guy whose stuttering went away and it was a lifelong problem. And so I, I do believe that there are many pathways to get to uh, that place where we are able to vision. I like your approach. The, the soft and gentle way is a start and practice, you know, like I used to like quote Tony Robbins, fake it until you can make it. Um, but sometimes it's really difficult to make it and you might need to do some life altering or altered states of consciousness types of things. And there's things that you can do, obviously, that are non psychotropic, right? You could go into like a sensory deprivation chamber tank, which might stimulate some of those same type of uh, uh, experiences. But super important to get in touch with what our vision is so that we can create more passion in our lives and get other people to follow us in that passion. So thanks for letting me go off right. the rails there. No, I love that. I love that. And I'm going to check those out because that's really <laughs> cool. And I think one of the things that you touched on, which again is really important is when I was saying the practice. So get your tape recorder or get your phone. We all have, you know, recorders or you have the notes and either type it if you're better at typing. Like I, if I type something out that's in my brain, it literally, it's like four sentences. It's terrible. I have to speak it or um, voice text it, but just practice doing it over and over again. And as you see yourself telling your story, you're going to, um, it's just going to keep getting perfected and keep growing a little bit. And then as you grow it, then you can kind of take it down because I obviously didn't tell you my, you know, everything that has happened in my life. I right. can do that, but I haven't, you know, there's pieces that I know are important. Just like when you told that little piece about how you went back to, you know, the manufacturing or the, your family business right. in Philadelphia. And this, you told a little piece that connected, right? So it was something that connected with me. Cause I was like, Oh, I heard this. I want to know more about that. Yep. And that's exactly when someone else is telling their, their family business story or their story, their brand story, uh, you know, an entrepreneur story. It's that, that little piece that you don't know who out there is going to connect and who could be your next client or your next customer. All right. So I have a, uh, what I think is a good question for you and, and I'll attempt okay. to answer it too, if you're struggling, but, um, uh, so the question is, who are some of the great storytellers um, in our lives right now or people that we know? Um, and the reason I think that uh, this is so important is because I think that one of the techniques to really become great is to model others, is to look for the best practices of the most accomplished people, uh, the people that we admire the most, and to model their behavior. And so, like, in your life, you know, who can you think of that was a great storyteller or is a great storyteller and, and, and maybe someone that people knows that they can connect to or someone you personally know? 
Right. I mean, my dad, my dad is the ultimate storyteller, always has been. He, he was a Vietnam vet, was wounded, um, but he was also dyslexic, but they didn't know he was dyslexic back in the day. His brother, Yale, Harvard, sister, same, like brilliant family. And he was the one that it was always like, well, what the hell's wrong with this guy? But he was really good looking and had a great personality. And so really, you know, went through life. Um, so I have to say that like, for me, it's more of a personal, I'm not someone that looks to expertise all the time. Um, but if I think about, if you think about, um, and I'm just throwing it out there because Oprah, if you go back to her story and, and then how she grew to where she is today, it's pretty remarkable. And if people don't realize the uh, abuse that she had back in her life, um, and then how that shaped her and, and the, you know, the grit and the vulnerability that she put out there, it is. And, and she doesn't talk about it all the time, right? It was something that was probably- I don't even know it she, actually. So maybe you want to share a little bit with us what it, what was well, that story? And, and, well, so, and I'm not going to, because I don't want to do it, uh, but she, I mean, she was sexually abused. And so, wow. and, and at, I mean, obviously that's horrendous, but then where it went with her life and where she mm. grew up, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, again- even though that never happened to me, I connected with her because it's like, okay, how does someone then come out of something that so terrible that she went through and then how she built what she did. And it really was her story that connected people. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So there, so there's definitely that. The other thing is, is someone like Robin Williams, again, that, that is a story um, that if you go back and listen to his beginning of his stories, how, incredibly, um, I mean, just an incredible human, but all the stuff that he went through and the mental illness, I mean, so many things that you would never realize. And then also with other comedians that you don't realize that you see them only on their funny times, but a lot of times they suffer from mental illness and, and, and depression. Mm. So things like that, there's also, um, just right now, if you guys, and I have teenagers, so the, the rapper Juice World, who overdosed mm -hmm. or had a heart attack, it, my kids have just recently shared his story with me, and I'm fascinated. And I now want to like I'm listening to his music with them as we drive to school, and it's because he had a story. He really had a story, and the story doesn't always have to be tragic, right? You don't have to have a tragic story right. to, to have people connect with you. And so I do want to say that you know my story just because of my dyslexia, you know, I had a really good upbringing and you know loving parents and. Um, you know, there, there were some definitely crazy times in, in my, our family. Everyone has them, but it doesn't have to be tragic for you to be successful. You're connecting with the people that you're meant to be connecting with. You know, obviously the three people that I just spoke with had some tragic stuff happen, but those are the type of people, if you go back and if you have a, you know, a favorite artist or a favorite musician or a favorite actor, go and look to see what their story is. And if you ever read about like Jim Carrey, you know, he's talked about his story, yep, yep. Um, Brad Pitt. There's a couple of them. I liked Eminem's story a lot when I started getting into rap for my child. Um, yes. And, and the movie that Eminem did, I forget what it was called, uh, eight, eight and a half miles eight, or eight, eight miles. Yeah. Eight yeah. Which miles. Is, yeah. Which, which is, uh, it was a great story. And, uh, yeah, it really touched me and it made me feel like a real connection to his music and where he was coming from. So, uh, um, That's a great and, example. Cause you're yeah. Right. And I, I don't mean to just uh, select the white rapper. Um, I've looked at some of the black rappers as well and looked at their stories. And I, I thought it was interesting, but I, I think there are so many 
uh, even business people who have great stories. And, you know, the interesting story as you're telling me this is that I'm oftentimes very attracted to the stories or storytelling of people who came from these very modest homes who have very functional families and uh, where everyone really gets along very well and they seem to be really connected um, and strong and have a strong bond. I didn't grow up like that. I lost two fathers, um, you know, through, uh, through death and then a third uh, through divorce. Um, most people I know came from broken homes of, of some way short, you know, or form or another. And although I, I too had, a, like you, uh, an upper middle class upbringing, you know, all that trauma was definitely uh, was my story for so long. Losing my dad at the right. age of two was definitely a life defining story. And my story up until recently was told through the lens of I'm going to live a life of someone who's not going to die at 35 as a heart of a heart attack. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be a type A person. I'm going to do the things that I'm passionate about. I'm going to follow my, uh, my joy. So, but I think it's really, uh, you know, people who think that they might not have a story because it's just basically like mom and apple pie and very sort of uh, boring. Like there's something really fascinating to those who didn't grow up having a highly functional family. Right. So, right. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because even though I did, I mean, I, I actually, my parents are divorced, we, uh, you know, and when I was 12, but it was a very functional divorce, you know, very functional divorce. And I think we probably have better relationships, both of my parents that way, but you're right. That's the thing. Everyone does have a story and I can't say it enough. Even if you think that, Oh, my life is boring. You know, a lot of times when I work with women, consulting them, helping them find their passion. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them, you know, maybe wanted to start a blog or write a book or start a podcast and they always say, but who would want to listen to me? Who could I help? And right. I always stop them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you have to believe in yourself to be able to share your story, but someone is going to connect with you in some way, even though if you had the most perfect upbringing, you never had any trauma. If you look back, there's going to be something that you think about that maybe defined you right? That you didn't realize defined you, whether it was an amazing thing, whether you were the valedictorian, but through that being the valedictorian and you never having to struggle, how hard did you work? Were you type, as you said, like the type A, what, there's a story behind that because oh, you yeah. were fair of feeling, you know, uh, what is it? Fear of failure. There's yep. so many different things. You just don't realize that that story actually can help someone because you think, oh, it didn't affect me, but it actually really did. And as I love what you said is that you at, you know, too, from your experiences, you realized you were going to live a different life. So you didn't have the same circumstances and you, you weren't guaranteed that, but you were going to do the best that you could. And that is such a powerful story. Yeah. Wow. The more we get into this, the more empowering it, it feels to talk about it. And uh, what I'm experiencing is that I'm becoming more present to myself during this conversation. And we talked on our first phone call about the importance of being present to the people in your path. But I think in order to do that, you need to be present to yourself first and I think somehow, help me out here, that it's 
connected um, that our, our brand, our personal brand is, is connected to all of this in our story. And so I, I want to talk a little bit with you about that, the importance of being present to yourself, being present to the people in your path, um, being able to communicate your story and know that it's, it's part of your brand and maybe it's your, you know, part of your why is what I always talk about your purpose. So, right. um, um, what are your thoughts on some of this? Yeah. And I love that you said that. That made me so happy. I literally smiling ear to ear um, because it is talking about yourself. Some people get uncomfortable with it at first, but the more that you do and the more that you start thinking about it, you're going to get some of that exciting feeling like reminiscing and, and, um, and, and getting that exciting feeling. And so what, when we at first initially had spoken about being present, and again, I love that you said being present with yourself, because if you're not present with yourself, if you're just going through life, the motions, you wake up, you know, you have your coffee, you go to work and you're never feeling excited about anything in life, right? You're not laughing a lot. You're not feeling you're just kind of, eh, this is life. You're not present with yourself and you're also not being aware of who you are meeting in your path. And I truly do believe whether it's the God or, uh, or God or universe, whatever you believe in, that we all do have a purpose and a path. Not all of us find it and not all of us find it at the same time. But when you are present with yourself and you allow yourself to be open to the people you're meeting, you never know why that person is brought into your life or how you can help them or how they can help you or what. Um, what the reasoning is that you guys have been connected. And as you said, if you are not present with yourself, you're not going to be present with others. And just, you know, asking questions, talking to people, especially nowadays. I mean, it's so, you know, everything is so crazy and there's so much tension out there. If we all can just kind of, you know, step into someone else's shoes and just, you know, hey, what's your story, right? You know, and, and, and learn about people. It's exciting to hear and it's exciting to hear someone else's story. And when people start talking about their stories, whether you're at a dinner party or standing in line in the grocery store, you feel more connected with that person. And then again, when you're connected with the person, that's where you, you know, kindness and all these things can happen because they're, they're actually right in front of you. So that's really interesting. And, and uh, we won't go into the story that, we had um, when I first connected with you. Um, you can hear me okay, yes? Yes, I can hear you. Perfect, awesome. So, but you and I had one of those kind of epiphany moments where we just kind of connected around something. It was around my girlfriend and her business, and that's not usually brought up for me. So, I think that oftentimes you have to tap into your intuition. Um, and allow some magic to flow. Maybe there's some thought or feeling or something you want to share with a person, uh, provided it's appropriate, that you bring to the present because it's like tickling the back of your brain. I think that's great. So is there a balance between uh, storytelling that is kind of, hey, this story has been told so many times. You know, I've heard you tell this story so many times, mom or dad or you know, leader of my company um, and, and telling something that feels more like fresh and authentic. So let's talk about just the, the there's a balance there, right? Because if you tell your story, you have to tell it enough so people know it and get to get a sense of it. But if you tell it, 
too many times uh, and maybe the same audience is listening too many times. Um, I don't know. That just doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. What's the balance? Right. I mean, so well, that's the thing. I mean, if you're, if you're talking to the same audience, it really depends why you're telling your story. So if you're growing a business, you should not be telling the same audience your story, right? You, right. Should, be, you should be finding a different audience. And a lot of times, like I'm going to take it to social media right now. Social media, so many people see your social, social media. So if you're posting about your story, you're posting the same quote all the time, you're hitting different people. So it is okay to be repetitive in your story, change it up a little bit, right? Like with a different picture or something like that. But if, if your story is your story, it's not going to change that much. Maybe you'll add a different detail or a, uh, or a different detail has come, you know, kind of out of fruition as you continue to tell your story. But if you are telling your story to the same audience all the time, no, you should not do that because people are not going to listen. Now, if you think about this, if, we had this conversation again, or after you, you know, put this out on the airwaves and you listen to it, you're going to hear something different each time. Yep. So when people are listening to your story, they're going to pick up something different each time. And so it is important to share your story more than once because not everyone hears the same. You don't hear the same thing all the time. And if you've heard someone's story a number of times, and you're like, oh, I'm going to tune out a little bit. But then all of a sudden, I, we've all been there, right? You've either watched the same show a couple of times or you're hearing someone's story or you've listened to a podcast. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I didn't catch that the first seven times I heard that. Right, so right. there is a big balance. And that's something that you have to figure out on your own, right? I mean, that's something that I cannot say, okay, you've done it enough because I don't know everyone's circumstances out there. But for me, you do need to share your story over and over and over again for others to hear. But as you're growing and as you're growing your business or growing, um, you know, whatever it is there, it still needs to continue. Wow. This is great. So um, as we wrap up here, I'm wondering if there's any closing thoughts you have uh, that you want to share. And uh, also, or if not, um, tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, do you make money at this? Uh, helping people tell their stories and, uh, and how would people connect with you if they wanted to? So, yeah, so I do. Also. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And I just wanted to th say, thank you. I think this is a great, I've, I've really enjoyed connecting with you. And I, as I said, there was a reason why we, we connected, right. Mm -hmm. It was just a random connection and whether it was me being on your podcast or me, you know, um, and your girlfriend doing something in the future or whatever it is, there is a reason. Cause I also do want to know more about the Philly thing. Right. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to stop with uh, that, but um, I'll get you a copy of my book. Yeah, please. But so I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for that. And then, yes, so I do. So I, I do podcast, I do consult um, and I consult. There's a couple of different things. I help people find their passion and turn it into a business. So that is done through a workshop that I have. And then I do have clients that I work with, but I also do go into corporations and, um, or, you know, if, if someone's having a weekend thing where they need uh, someone, a keynote speaker, and I go in and speak that way. I've talked to a number of businesses about helping their employers be able to tell the business's story. For entrepreneurs, it's helping that entrepreneur tell their story and how to kind of really let, let's pull it out. And we just do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work. Like, you know, it's just, let's 
go back. Let's think, let's tell you, tell me your, and a lot of times what it is, it's just easy. Just like I did with you. When I, when I was telling my story, you're thinking of things, right? So you're bringing questions up. So when I have a client that tells me their story, I ask them questions that because I ask different questions, cause I'm super curious, they will be like, Oh, I didn't think about that. And then that helps build on their their story. So it is a talent of mine. It's my attention deficit, dyslexia brain, whatever gotcha. it is. Um, but I love it because I love hearing people's stories and I'm curious. So I love asking the questions. So that is that is how I make money consulting and um, and doing the podcast. And so I just appreciate you having me on. Great. Well, we'll have your contact information in the show notes, but how can people reach you? It's Juliet Hahn, H-A-H-N. And uh, what's the best way to reach, reach you? Yep. So it's, um, I am, so it's I A M is my website and then Juliet J U L I E T H A H N.com. And you can find everything there. You can find the podcast, but then also the podcast is on every, you know, podcast player, but my website is the easiest thing. Any social media, if you go to either Juliet Han or I am Juliet Han, you'll find me. Fantastic. Juliet, thanks so much for taking this time to have this conversation with me and, for listeners uh, who are still listening, um, if you're an entrepreneur or just want to be more of a leader in your life, think about what your story is and whom you're telling it to and how often you're telling it and how you're telling it and you know how to make it bigger and better without embellishing on it too much. So uh, um, always stay true and be authentic. So, all right. Another great episode uh, of Disruptive Successor Show. If you like this, share this with others. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.